It's good to see you here this morning. I'm, my name's Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church. And uh, always good to see familiar faces who are members and people who are regularly with us. Good to see people visiting from other churches, other provinces, friends, uh, maybe visiting for the summer. And uh, great to see people who are here for the first time as well. I know I've had the chance to say hi to a few of you who are here for the first time. And it's just so good to have you and be able to welcome you here amongst us. Um, I haven't actually managed to uh, speak to this person yet, and they won't speak back, but um, it's the first time I'll have met um, Azaria, uh, Sharon, uh, Wendy and Azaria, and Clint had a baby, Azaria, uh, a month ago now almost, and uh, it's great to have them here as a family, and uh, I think Wendy's probably out feeding, uh, feeding Azaria, but uh, do say hello, and uh, we do pray for them. And uh, at some point when they're all together, we'll pray for them but, uh, and just welcome them. But it's good to be together, isn't it, as a family? It's good to join together. If you want to find out any more about us uh, as a church, we've got lots of information out on the welcome desk out there. Please pick it up as you leave. And you can fill in a little uh, welcome card and let us know uh, about yourself as well. And we'll send emails and things like that as much as you would like us to. We'll not bother you too often. All right, we're going to be preaching, uh, or I'm going to be preaching, <laughs> uh, you're going to be listening. Um, I'm going to be preaching through Mark chapter 5 today. We are halfway through Mark chapter 5, looking through Mark's gospel at the moment, and we're up to verse 21. So in a moment, I'll read that passage, and uh, you can follow with me on the, uh, in your Bibles or on your tablets or, I, um, or phones or anything. Uh, up until now, just to give you a, a recap of where we're at, Jesus has been over. He's been preaching by a lake, teaching by a lake, and he went over to the other side of the lake, we saw last time, just to set a demonized man free. Just one guy. And he, he took his disciples all the way over just to meet this one guy. And after he does so, the people, uh, this, this guy gets set free, and then the people there, it's too much for them, really. They, they beg him, will you leave? Will you just go? Uh, so he goes back to the other side of the lake, and the crowds are still waiting for him there. And he has a different, uh, different things going on here. There's so many people. And uh, he's going to teach people about the kingdom of God. He's been healing people. People are so excited to see the healings going on. And they're gathering around that. And today, we're going to encounter two very different people who are looking for miracles. Both looking for miracles from Jesus. Both of whom are in a desperate situation. One is a man called Jairus. He's a synagogue ruler. He's one of the most respected men in the entire community. And his 12-year-old daughter is close to death. It's a really urgent situation for him. So he's coming desperate to seek Jesus. The other person we're going to encounter is an unnamed woman who's actually been ostracized, shunned from society um, because she is uh, un unclean or she's seen as unclean. She's been suffering from bleeding for all of the 12 years of the little girl's life. Um, and it's no great emergency. This has been going on for 12 years, but um, it's an ongoing chronic issue for her. Each of them come to Jesus for healing, and as we'll see, to each of them, Jesus is going to give them so much more than they actually came for. So let's get into the passage and have a look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 21 through to uh, the end of that chapter. And it says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, 
my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she'll be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard all about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with, many, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child isn't dead but asleep. But they all laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. All right, so this is what we're going to be looking at this morning, these two people who've come to Jesus. And the first person who came to Jesus, as I said, was Jairus, a leader in the synagogue. Jesus hadn't had the best reception last time he was at the synagogue. Um, many people were outraged. You might remember he heals the guy with a withered hand uh, on the Sabbath, and a lot of people get offended by that. And it's at that point, it says the religious leaders uh, began to plot and kill Jesus at that point. Uh, we don't know if Jairus was one of those religious leaders who was actually plotting at that point to kill Jesus. But, but his daughter's sick and close to death. So even if Jairus was outraged, offended by what Jesus was doing, at this, this point, he's swallowed his pride uh, and he's decided he's going to go and he's going to see Jesus. And so he makes his way to where Jesus is by the side of the lake. He gets to the crowd. Probably the crowd at that point, if they see him, they would part. Oh, it's, it's Jairus. It's this important person, synagogue ruler. The crowd are parting, letting him through to Jesus. And uh, he falls at Jesus' feet and he begs Jesus, please, will you come? Will you put your hands on my daughter so that she might live? I mean, Jairus had probably seen, as I said, the man who was healed at the synagogue. He would have seen the evil spirit driven out of the man in the synagogue as well. That was another thing that happened. He may have been one of the teachers of the law who was around when he saw the paralyzed man. This was in uh, the house. The paralyzed man who gets lowered through the roof. You remember that one? And uh, he gets up and walks and Jesus um, forgives him of his sin. 
So he's probably been in and around Jesus for a while, and he's seen these miracles, and he's begun to think, well, I've got a sick daughter, and she looks like she's going to die. Well, who's going to help? Well, I think Jesus is the one. I think Jesus is the one who's going to bring hope and who's going to be able to bring healing. Th those experiences have built some level of faith, bless you, some level of faith in Jairus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> some level of faith in Jairus. He comes to Jesus knowing that there is hope in him for his daughter. And Jesus responds to that. Jesus, driven by compassion for him, Jesus seeing the man's faith, he heads out towards Jairus' home. With the, and the crowd all follow him. I mean, the crowd are, are thinking, hey, this is, we want to see what's going to happen. We're going to see a great miracle. We're going to see the synagogue leader's daughter become well. And so all they, they all go together towards Jairus' home. It's going to be impressive. But at that moment, Jesus' journey gets interrupted because in the crowd, there's a woman. And she's been subject to this bleeding for 12 years. Um, and she's desperate as well. She's spent years seeking help from doctors. And it hasn't helped. It's, uh, it's not very complimentary about doctors. I don't know if we've got doctors here. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Oh dear. Um, but uh, she's gone to num numerous doctors and had to pay for them. I mean, maybe, maybe they, weren't even, they wouldn't have even necessarily been qualified doctors the way that we have qualified uh, doctors who've gone into training. Who knows what kind of things they would have been involved in in those days. And she has to go and she has to pay money to the doctors. And instead of seeing things get better, she's just seen things get worse and worse. She's tried everything pretty much to get healed, to get better, and nothing's happened. She's desperate. Desperate people try desperate things. Humanity, like this woman, is sick. And uh, we all try desperately to, to do things to, to make ourselves better, to make ourselves feel like we're okay, to get through life. We, we, we put masks on a lot of the time, but inside, humanity is, is a mess. And so we try all sorts of different things uh, to try and bring wholeness and healing to ourselves. For some, it might be alcohol or, or drugs, or it might be different relationships going from one to another. It might be trying something like mindfulness. It might be just sitting, numbing your mind in front of video games. It might be trying health foods and supplements or CrossFit, yoga, vacations, keeping busy. Whatever it might be, we try and fill our lives. We try and find something to heal us to make us better, and all we end up doing is getting more and more broke. We end up spending more and more money on these things, and, and, and it doesn't help. And we can end up being worse off than we ever were. And this woman's really in a bad way. She was an outcast in society because of her bleeding. It would have been seen as unclean, and she would have had no one coming anywhere near her, no one wanting to know her. She would have been empty, and she would have been lonely. And she has nothing left. She's got no other alternatives. But she's heard about Jesus. She's heard about Jesus. And so she comes to him. And, and it would have been very different to the public way that Jairus came. As I said, with Jairus, people would have seen him coming. Oh, Jairus is here. Jairus is here. Crowd parting. Everyone looking. Everyone seeing what's going to happen. 
really public, the crowd are following afterwards. With this woman, she doesn't want any attention. She thinks, I, I just need to get close. I'm going to have to sneak up. And if I can just get close enough to touch his clothes, then I know I'm going to be healed. She was actually, she had faith in Jesus too. She had faith in Jesus too. She had faith that she would be healed. She was kind of combining that faith in Jesus with uh, a, a kind of magical superstition of the day. It was a, it was a superstition in, the, in those days that if, you, if there was someone um, who was powerful, if you touched their clothing, that power goes into their clothing as well. So it was this kind of superstitious thing. You're saying, oh, I just need to touch his clothing and it's going to bring healing today. It's a bit like today when people are, are, are hoping things are going to go well and they say, oh, touch wood. Touch wood, things are going to go well. Knock on wood, you say. We say touch wood in England. <laughs> Knock on wood. Thank you. It's good to have the translators here at the front. <laughs> say knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, well, well, what's that? That's, that's just superstition, isn't it? That, but that's what people say. You know, we've got we've to hope in something. Well, knock on wood. Things are going to go well. This, so this woman's thinking, well, I, I just need to touch his, his clothing. But she sees something about Jesus as well. I mean, she wouldn't have known a whole lot about what Jesus had been teaching. She probably wouldn't have been able to get very close to him. She just had faith that he would bring her healing. And she, she combines it with this superstitious belief. And as she touches Jesus' clothing, actually, she is immediately healed. She's immediately healed. Praise God. She hasn't got all her theology figured out. She's not got it all figured out. But she knows she'll find healing in Jesus. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes that, that confuses, sometimes that messes with us a bit. We, we can't get our heads around it. See, God loves faith. God responds to faith. We see it time and time again. Jesus in the Gospels talks about faith and people's faith. And he says here even, your faith has, has made you well. And uh, we might think, well, if, if someone's going to see God working powerfully in their life, they, they must have got it all figured out. They must have got everything theologically figured out. They must know everything about that, everything correct and lined up. Actually, that's not true. We see in, in the Word of God it's not true. Later on, we'll see in, in Mark's Gospel, Jesus sending his disciples out to teach and preach and um, heal people and cast out demons. And he sends them out. And, uh, and, and we read about that in a number of the different Gospels. And I think it's in Matthew's Gospel. We read after that. They come back and Jesus says, um, well, who are people saying that I am? And um, the disciples say, well, some people are saying you're Elijah. And some people are saying you're John the Baptist. And then he, Jesus asks them a really interesting question. He says, okay, well, who do you think I am? And you, you get that impression that there's a bit of silence until Peter says, you're the Messiah. He, he's like suddenly had this revelation come to him. But Jesus is having to ask them, who, who do you think I am? And you think, hang on, Jesus, you've just sent them out teaching and preaching. Well, what are they saying? What are they teaching? They've probably not got it all figured out themselves. They're healing people. They're seeing some people set free. And well, who is this Jesus? Well, I don't know. He's, he's this guy. He's the I think he's the Messiah, and, uh, but I don't know quite what that means. They didn't fully understand what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah at that point. 
They, surely that should have been part of the Messiah 101 class that they took before they went out. Well, why, why has Jesus sent them out before them? It's kind of messy. And, and sometimes it can be messy. Sometimes it, it doesn't all get figured out. Things don't all have to be straight and right in our minds before we see things happen. And there's things that, that you see God doing sometimes, and, and you're like, but why is that happening? Because this person, they are not got it straight at all. I mean, sometimes I, you, you see terrible things sometimes. I think it's terrible. Sometimes TV evangelists, and they're, and they're saying, oh, send me some money, and I'll pray for you that you're going to get healed. And you're like, oh, man, it's a, it's a scam. These guys are just trying to get money in. Touch the screen. You're going to get healed. What? And then, and then you hear that some people get healed, and you're like, well, what's that about? Why are people getting healed? Because these guys are crooks. And, uh, and, but, they, but there's people getting healed. Well, God's seeing faith there. There's other churches uh, that you, you see. I mean, a church like Bethel. lot of faith in Bethel for healing and miracles. lot of faith. They see a ton of stuff. And, and I love the faith that people have got there. And I love things that are going on. And then I, I see some of the things that they teach and say. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Don't say that. Because I, I kind of get concerned about some of the things. And, but God's at work. God's at work. Because God's looking for faith. And, and you can go the other way, and then you can, people say, well, God's clearly at work, so it must be okay. They must be, they must be okay. They must be living a holy and godly life, you know, whoever it might be. Or, or this must be God. They must have got their theology sorted out. And that's not necessarily the case. The disciples hadn't got everything lined up. They hadn't understood fully. But they had faith. We praise God that people are healed. And they're healed because people respond in faith to Jesus. It's the grace of God. Actually, it is important to think biblically about God. It is important. God's given us his word, and we're meant to take time to read it, and we're meant to apply it to our lives, and, and, and God will work in, it, in us by the power of his spirit. And he'll stir us in faith as we understand more about God. But sometimes it's just a little messy. Years ago in our church in uh, in England, we invited a guy over who was moving very powerfully in the area of healing. And uh, he was a guy called Rambabu. And he, he, we, we saw some amazing miracles uh, happen while he was there. But he said a lot of things that we didn't, as leaders, agree with. We were like, oh, my word, what's he saying? He's doing this. You know, he's claiming that people were healed when there were no evidence that they were healed. You know, because he, he kind of said, oh, well, everyone, God heals everyone. So this person's going, no, I don't see any difference in my hearing that you've prayed for. He's going, no, you are healed. You've just got to believe. And we were like, no, no, no. <laughs> They're not healed. <laughs> um, we knew we were going to have to bring some good teaching to people and, and meet with people afterwards just to, just to help sort things out. And we did. So why did we invite him? Well, we invited him because we wanted the church to grow in faith for healing. Because God is a God who heals. And this guy had faith. Now, Maybe we shouldn't have done that. But the, the church did grow in faith for healing, and we did teach them, hopefully, well afterwards. So biblical truth and faith, they can go hand in hand. They should go hand in hand. But let's keep allowing our faith to be stirred. Let's allow our faith to be built. Let's tell stories of what God's done in our lives. It's great to hear from Clinton. Uh, actually, 
last week and this week, because last week he came and he said, he, he went up, if you weren't here last week, Clinton, we prayed for a number of people to be healed. All the elders were here and we all um, prayed for, for healing. We anointed people with oil. Clinton came up for prayer for his eyes. And, uh, but God healed his shoulder straight away. And he said, I've come up for prayer for my eyes and God's freed my frozen shoulder. And uh, so we celebrated that and hey, and then he's saying, and then he's driving to camp after the meeting and he's thinking, actually God's done something in my eyes as well. I can see. Well, that stirs faith, doesn't it? That builds our faith. God's at work. We don't understand everything. God, why did you, you know, do something on Clinton's shoulder when you've praying for his eyes and then, and, and that sometimes happens. We don't know. But let's allow faith to grow. We can have a lot of questions, and there can be a lot of things that we don't have figured out. But let's not allow our questions to kill faith, because Jesus looks for faith. So the woman, she's not got it all figured out, but she's got faith, and Jesus sees that. And as we say, uh, she gets healed. Jesus feels power go out from him. And as he feels power go out from him, he stops in his tracks, and he's looking for the woman. He's looking to see who touched him. And, uh, and uh, that would have not been easy because you remember the crowd are going with him. So there's a whole group of people and Jesus is there in the middle of this crowd. People are jostling him. People are all around him. The disciples are saying that. Jesus, why are you asking a question like, who touched me? He would have just been like totally hemmed in. And they're going, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone's touching you. So he's part of this crowd, and they're all going to Jairus' house, and Jairus is leading the way. And suddenly, Jesus, in the middle of this, he stops. And everyone, what's going on? Jesus is stopping. What's, it's not always easy to stop when the crowd are taking you in a certain way. I've been caught up in uh, crowds like that before myself. Like, um, I went to a big soccer game at Wembley Stadium, and huge numbers of crowds going in one direction. You, you don't want to be going in the other direction when the crowd are all heading in the same direction. It's, it's difficult. It takes a lot of effort to stop. Far easier to keep going with the crowd. But sometimes we need to stop and see what God is doing. Sometimes it's important to stop and just think, what's God doing in this situation? See, we all thought we were heading this way. We all thought we were going to, to Jairus' house, and that's where the miracle was going to happen. But no, the miracle's happening on the journey. There's a miracle happening on the way. And, and we have to stop and see, well, what's God doing on the way? We can just get fixed on where we think that we're going. We need to discern what, learn to discern what God's doing in our lives. And there's always lots going on. But sometimes it's good to stop. We see it in Acts 16 where Paul and his companions, they have got plans to go to a certain place in uh, Bithynia, but it says the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to go. We, we don't quite know what that means, what, what actually s caused them to stop, but there was something there that caused them to stop and not go into Bithynia. And then Paul has a vision at night from a man from Macedonia who says, come and help us over here. And so they go, oh, well, maybe that's where Jesus is. Maybe that's where God's wanting us to go. So we can have plans and we can think this is what God's wanting. And, it, and it actually, it's something totally different. Maybe it's a different direction. And I, I, have, I have a number of people have said to me before now, 
uh, Christians, often at university, um, and they say, well, I've got my plan figured out. I know where my life's heading. I'm here at university, and this is what I'm going to study. And then when I've studied that, I'm going to go and do that. And then when I've done that, I'm going to go here. And this is my life, and it's planned out. And I think, I often think, well, what if God's got a different plan for your life? What if God wants to take you in a different direction to you think? Sometimes you've got to stop. A friend of mine back in, uh, in Sheffield, England, used to say, I've got one more year in Sheffield, one more year at university, and then he t- he'd tell me what he'd planned to go on and do. And God had different plans. It's 20 years later now. He's leading the church there now. He thought he was there for one more year. God had a different idea. Some of, some, of, some of you here have said to me, there's not a lot of point in getting involved in, in the church here. You know, we'll come on a Sunday, but there's no point getting too involved with you because I'm only here for another year and then I'm moving on. How do you know? How do you know what God's going to do? Maybe God's got other plans. Some people think, oh, well, that's it. I'm in Fredericton for long term. How do you know? Maybe you're going to go somewhere else. Maybe God's got another place for you to go. We don't know what God's plans are for our life. Sometimes we have to learn to stop and listen and see what God's doing. But in the meantime, we give ourselves fully to whatever God is doing in us. Give yourself fully to where you are right now. You might think it's only three more months. Give yourself fully to God and his church for three months. See what he says. See what he's doing. You never know. Anyway, Jesus stops. He says, who touched me? Strange question. But he continues looking. He wants to know who it is. And this woman's like, oh, no, I'm trying to be anonymous. I'm trying to hide. And Jesus has stopped. And he's looking around. And she's like, ooh. And he won't move on. Jesus, come on. We need to get onto Jairus' house. No, who touched me? Come on, who was it who touched me? Someone touched me. Power went out of me. And she's like thinking, oh, no, no. I mean, she might even be thinking, man, he's got to get to, he's got to, get to where he's going. It's Jairus, the synagogue ruler. He's getting, Jairus is getting a bit frustrated at this point, probably. Come on, what's going on, Jesus? Why are you coming to my house? You, you're asking questions about who touched you. I don't get it. Come on. Eventually, the woman goes, oh, I, I need to go and confess. I need to go and admit it was me. So she comes, and she tells him the whole story. See, she just wanted to slip away, but Jesus had far more for her. Jesus wasn't done with just a healing. Jesus wanted more for her. He had more for her. He keeps asking until she comes. And then he says, your faith's healed you. Go in peace. Go in peace. He gives her peace. She came for just healing. That was all she could expect. That's all she wanted. Jesus gives her peace. And that word equates to wholeness, well-being. That's what that means. Even, even salvation to some extent that wo- is what that word means. Jesus knows she needs far more than just healing, physical healing. She needs actually to come into a relationship with Jesus. She needs to know Jesus. She needs to receive the fullness of what he has for her. We all do. Most of the crowd were there thinking, we just want to see a miracle. We just need to be healed. Jesus knew they needed far more than that. It's wonderful to see miracles. It's wonderful to see God at work. I love it when I see people, God at work in people who don't know him. 
But I pray all the time, God, it needs to be more than that. Don't just let someone walk away with a physical healing and never know the peace that Jesus brings. We need to know the peace that Jesus brings. We can only know that through coming to understand his death and resurrection and what it means for us and to give our lives in following him. And Jesus points out that he says, you know, it's, it's not you touching my cloak that's healed you. It's your faith. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Sometimes we can, we can get too caught up in the specifics when it comes to praying for healing. And uh, we can worry about whether we're doing it right. You know, have you ever been in that situation where you're praying? Someone says, oh, will you pray for me for healing? Oh, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. And you're thinking, oh, no, I've got to get the right words in this situation. The pressure's on me to get the right words, otherwise they might not get healed. Uh, or, or you think, oh, I, I need to, maybe I should lay hands on someone. And we get, we get all worried about whether we, are we laying our hands in the, in the right place. I mean, there are some wrong places to lay your hands, but, <laughs> but, uh, but we, get, we get worried about whether we're laying our hands in the right place. You know, it's like, oh, it's a knee problem. Okay, well, I'll, I'll pray for your knee. And then you, you've got your hand on that. Oh, is it, the, is it the correct knee? Is it the right knee or is it the left knee? Oh, it, oh no. I don't know, and, I d and then if I get down, maybe this is just me thinks this, but if I get down here, then they're not hearing what I'm praying, because they're up there, and I'm down here, so maybe I'll just lay my hands on their shoulder, but if I lay my hands on their shoulder, is their knee going to get healed? I don't know. Oh, and then, oh, and now I've forgotten their name, and so, um, <sighs> no, now I'm praying some random prayer for some, oh, my dear brother in Christ, if I ever, if I ever pray that for you, I've forgotten your name. Um, <laughs> just a little clue. <laughs> is God gonna? Is God gonna work? I've just messed it all up. God's not. God's not looking for that. God's not looking for that. Jesus responds to our faith. It's our faith that that, that Jesus is looking for. It's faith which is a key ingredient, and it, it makes us well. It, it's complicated. We we get. We get so caught up with loads of things in our mind, and we talk ourselves out of it. And, and we think, well, what if, what if, what if they're not, what if the person's not healed? Well, whose fault is it then? Is it my fault for praying? Is it, and then some people, hopefully not in this church, but you hear it said in other places, you know, oh, you weren't healed. Well, it's because you've not got enough faith. And the poor person who's come and they're sick and they've taken the, the courage to come and be prayed for, and then they're just told, oh, you've not got enough faith. That's why God's not healed you. Oh, yeah, great. Just chuck that one at them as well. well how, how horrible is that? You know, and so, but we wrestle with all these things in our mind, and, and we're thinking, the temptation is just to think, oh, let's just say, oh, I hope you get better. <laughs> why don't you go to the doctors? <laughs> no. Jesus looks to see our faith. It, it, Jesus never says any of those things, you see. But biblically, we see that faith is always involved. Whenever Jesus heals, whenever God does something, faith's involved. It could be the faith of the person themselves, like this woman who came. She had the faith. Or it could be faith of others. Jairus came on behalf of his daughter. He had faith that his daughter would be healed. It doesn't say she had faith. She probably wasn't even thinking about it. The friends who lowered the guy down the, through the roof they had faith 
doesn't say that the person who got healed had faith. Um, but one way or another, God, Jesus responds to faith. He's responding to the faith. And, uh, and, and remember, well, you might see in the, it was what, it's in the next passage, but Reese Scott preached it a few weeks ago. Um, Jesus goes to another town, and his own hometown, and it says he can hardly do any miracles there at all. Why? Because of their lack of faith. So there's a lack of faith in the area. You see, where Jesus is right now, he's doing lots of miracles, and all these crowd are seeing the miracles, and they've got faith. You know, they're going with Jesus to Jairus' place because they're like, he's going to heal Jairus' daughter. Why are they so convinced? Because he's healed lots of other people. So faith's risen. Faith's been built. So it's there. But where there's no faith, even Jesus finds it hard to heal. Try and get your head around that. It's, it's hard to get your head around. But faith is involved. So we need, to, we need to raise our faith. We need to be encouraged by the stories that we're telling. We need to be encouraged by what God is doing. Anyways, as I said, this point, Jairus is going to be getting extremely frustrated. This, this, woman, this woman's been bleeding for 12 years. Surely she could wait another hour. Uh, and, and Jesus is spending a long time trying to find her. But this is an urgent situation with his daughter. You know, if it, if it was a doctor doing this, we'd be saying this is malpractice. Can you imagine an emergency situation? Someone, someone comes in to emerge. We, we need the doctors right now. And the doctor's spending time talking to someone who's, who's just been healed already and has had a problem for 12 years. And he's saying, oh, how are you doing? With it? Oh, yeah, be good. Yeah. Doc, uh, doctor, you need to come now. This person's dying. Yeah, just a minute. I'm just, you're like, what, what the heck's going on? Why isn't, why, isn't he, uh, why isn't he coming over here? Surely Jesus knows how to prioritize. And, and never mind that it's an important person in the community. It's the synagogue leader. You're having him hanging around. Well, all rules of normal engagement are, are cast aside with Jesus. He, he's responding to the rich and the powerful and the influential in, in exactly the same way as he responds to the broken and the ignored and the downtrodden and the unclean. Jesus isn't favoritizing. We, we shouldn't either. If, if Mayor Mike O'Brien was here wanting prayer, I presume he's not. If you are, welcome, Mike. Um, and if he, if he comes up for prayer and he's standing alongside someone else who might have been living on the street and coming in, also seeking God, we don't go to the mayor first. We don't necessarily go to the other person first, but we're all equal before God. Jesus isn't swayed by powerful. But Jairus is, is like, oh, this, is, this is not good, this is not good. And then his worst fears come about. Men from his house come to him with the news he's been dreading. His daughter is dead. And, and as far as they're concerned, that's the end of the story. That's it. It's, it's too late. All hope's been lost. But Jesus ignores what people are saying. Because they're saying, Don't, why are you bothering him now? It's too late. Just leave him alone. He's got lots of other people to spend time with. He's got lots of other people who he can help. Jairus, it's too late for your daughter. Jesus hears it. And he says, he says, don't listen to them. Don't listen to what they're saying. What words does he, what words does he use? He says, don't be afraid, just believe. 
Don't be afraid, just believe. What's he encouraging Jairus in? He's encouraging Jairus in faith. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Well, what's the biggest enemy of faith? Fear. Fear is the biggest enemy of faith. What if this is going to happen? What if this? I'm fearful about this. Kills faith. Just kills faith. (coughs) Don't be afraid. Just believe. But surely there's nothing else to believe for. Surely that's it. What else is there to believe for? I mean, Jairus did have faith. He pressed through in faith. He came to Jesus in faith. Jesus seemed to be coming in faith. Jairus had faith that Jesus would heal his daughter. But Jesus had delayed, and now it's too late. See, it's interesting. People had faith. It was faith for healing. But it's too late for that. But Jesus was still there. Jesus hadn't gone anywhere. But their faith wasn't in Jesus. Their faith was in this person's going to get healed by Jesus. Do you see there's a slight difference? Our faith is in Jesus. We're to have faith in Jesus. We don't have faith in anything else. Oh, I have faith in... Some people I've heard say, oh, I have faith in faith. What does that mean? I have faith in faith? More people say... Oh, I have real faith in prayer. Prayer changes things. I know what they mean. I have faith in the power of prayer. It's God who changes things. Prayer doesn't change things. Prayer is our way that we come to God. But it's the power of God that changes things in people's life. Not the power of prayer. It's not us praying. Otherwise, we start thinking we have to pray the right words. We have to get it right. We have to be in a good place with God. No, we don't. It's God. It's Jesus. We come to him. We don't have to worry about getting it right. We don't have to worry about whether we pray long prayers or short prayers or whether we say it loud enough. You know, if I command this this sickness to go in Jesus' name with, and, and I need to say it louder so it will go because this sickness is clearly a bit deaf. And, uh, you know, we've got to get it right. And, uh, no. It doesn't matter. It's faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Prayer is asking Jesus to do something, believing that he is both able to do something and also willing to do something. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that's the first thing, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we've got to believe that Jesus, that God is able, that he exists. He's God. He's a, by definition, he's able to do these things that we're asking him to do. And believe that he is willing. Believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Because sometimes we, we often believe that he's able but we're not so sure that he's willing. We, we kind of think, oh, I don't know if God really wants to do this. So we, we end up praying prayers, and, and we say, okay, God, I'm going to pray for this person, and I, I want you to I pray you break into life. And God, God, you can do this. You can do this, God. Well, yeah, God, God's God. He can do it. We know he can do it. 
Is he willing to do it? We can't, we're, we're sometimes not so sure. But, but let's come in faith, believing that God is able and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Does that mean everyone's going to get healed? No. So it, we, we wrestle with these things. But you know what? If, it's better to wrestle with these things than just, to, than just to back off and just go, so I'm not even going to bother praying for people to get healed. Well, no one's going to get healed then because we're not coming to God in faith. So we come to God in faith. And sometimes... Sometimes things don't go the way that we think they're going to go. Jairus came in faith. His daughter didn't get healed. Sometimes things happen like that. Jesus, we looked at it the other week when I was preaching through Exodus. Sometimes God's got something different planned. Sometimes God knows something that we don't know. And we have to just trust God in that. Jesus had got far more planned for Jairus' daughter than a healing. It's, it's similar to the story of Lazarus. Do you remember in John chapter 11, Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother? Verse 6 of John chapter 11 says this. So they, they've come and they've told Jesus, you know, la- very similar to this. Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. Can you come quickly? And verse 6, it's a fascinating verse. It says this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This isn't just someone that Jesus doesn't even know. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And then it says, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, you would then expect it to say, he went straight away. Doesn't. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. What's that about? Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And he hears, he's sick, he's going to die. And Jesus knows he can bring healing. And, but he stays. It doesn't even say, but he, he stayed where he was. It says, so when he heard, he stayed where he was for two more days. Why didn't he drop everything and rush to be with him? That's what we would do, surely. If we hear someone is sick, if we hear someone is dying, we're going to say, we're going to drop what other plans we have for the day and we're going to go on. Maybe God doesn't want us to do that. You've got to be pretty convinced Jesus was. Why did Jesus stay? Because he had something greater than they were asking for. He was going to resurrect Lazarus. He was going to show that God was the God of resurrection. He was foreshadowing his own resurrection. As we saw last time, God has reasons that we don't necessarily know about. Jesus and the disciples, they didn't have all of the facts. Mary and Martha didn't have all of the facts. Jairus and the crowd didn't have all of the facts. And God says to us in those situations, when it looks confusing and it looks as though God hasn't come through for us, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't put all your hopes in it working out this way because God might have a different plan. You can trust God. God is a God who exists and he loves people and he desires to bless and reward those who earnestly seek him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. You can trust in Jesus. A number of months ago, we we said, it was probably end of last year, we talked about um, launching a kids club, which we're going to do... uh, 
beginning September uh, into different communities around Fredericton. Um, really wanting to bring Jesus' love and hope to a number of families. And we felt in the planning of that, we needed someone to really help us spearhead that and to lead it and to run it. And there was a, there was a young woman uh, in, uh, in England called Gemma. And, um, and we asked her if she would come and lead it. And she said yes. And it just seemed so right. And we prayed about it as a church. And we were like, this is great. It's so right. God's going to have this come about. And then she talked to her church. And they felt it was right to, and she said, okay, we just need to get a visa. What, what do I need to do? We found out the way to get a visa was to, um, she had to put her, uh, submit her name in this kind of pool of people who were then randomly picked out by a computer, and they get invited to apply. And there were 5,000 spots, and there was about 6,000 people wanted the visa. And so, but we were like, it's okay, because God wants her here. We all sense that it's God. And so, God, you're going to get here, and it's going to be amazing. And and time went on, and people are getting picked out. And as people get picked out, more people were applying. So the number of people stayed around 6,000. And there was, it wasn't a priority system. It was random. And then the number of spots available went down and down, from 5,000 to 3,000 to 1,000 to a few hundred. And okay, we're still praying. We prayed a lot. We, uh, the Tuesday prayer group, who we prayed a lot, virtually every week. Uh, and it goes down and down, and time was getting on. And we went over, and uh, when I was in England a few weeks ago, I saw her, and she'd, she'd been wrestling with this, because she was like, I know God wanted us to come, want me to come. And she's like, I, I just don't always understand it. She said, I've always wanted to come and do this in Fredericton. I, I felt I had to wait for God, and I felt God then gave us the green light, and it seems like now it's still not happening. And, but she'd actually got to a better place. She'd been through a, a tough time, but she got to a better place of, I've still just got to trust God. I was like, how many spaces are left? She goes, seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. Keep pressing in. Trust God. <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep praying. And, I'm, and seriously, you know, I'm like, Ooh. So we're praying. It got down to five this week. She called me on Wednesday. She's got the visa. She got one of the five. There's five left. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, wh why so late? I don't know. I don't know. But we can be pretty sure that God's got something greater than we ever imagined that he had. We trust God. Don't be afraid. Trust God. Anyway, we're coming to an end. Jesus carries on the journey. At this point now, because the crowd of, of lost faith. They've got faith with Jesus to heal, but now they're like, oh, I'm not really sure why we would carry on. And so Jesus says, I'm just going on now with Peter, James, and John. So the whole crowd get left behind because they're not in faith anymore. They're not really trusting in Jesus. They don't really know who Jesus is fully. Peter, James, and John, they were closest. They had faith. And they get to the house, and there's a lot of wailing and mourning and, and you know, Pretty much, there's no faith now there. Hope's died, faith's died, everything's died. The girl's died. <laughs> Does that sound a bit harsh? <laughs> everything's died. Jesus says, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead. She's asleep. And they're all laughing at him. Well, don't be ridiculous, Jesus. She's dead. There's always going to be people who laugh and ridicule. But as, again, the same as with the crowd. Jesus says, okay, get out. You're not in this situation. I don't want you anywhere near this. 
You're mocking and laughing and undermining of faith. We need a situation where there's faith. We need faith in the room. Sometimes it's good to do that. If we're praying for something, and sometimes it's, it's, it's better not to have too many people because you want the people who are, who are where faith's high rather than the people who are like, oh, well, we'll see what's going to happen then. I don't think anything's going to happen. All right, you just go home. <laughs> we'll pray. So the parents and a few disciples go in. Jesus gently takes this girl's hand. He speaks to her to get up, to Letha Kroom, young uh, little girl, arise. And she does so. And it's amazing. He's raised her from the dead. And then, and then like, really practically, you can imagine everyone's just going, <gasps> what's going on? And Jesus is saying, uh, should someone give her something to eat, maybe? She's going to be a bit hungry. <laughs> See, he's ever practical. Amazing. Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and this unnamed woman, they both come to Jesus. And for both of them, he gives them something more than they were expecting or asking for. They both look for healing, but the woman wanted healing and then just to slip away. Jesus wanted her to have his peace and fullness of life. He wanted a disciple, really. He called her back. Jairus wanted a healing. He ended up with a resurrection and an incredible demonstration of who Jesus was because it's God who raises the dead. And so he's seeing, this is no ordinary man. This is God. This is God who raises the dead. Jesus always gives us more than we ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to give us immeasurably more God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. It's true. We can ask certain things, we can imagine certain things, and God says, I can do far more than that for you. And he always has, and he always will. And so we might get confused about things, and we might not be able to figure it all out, and we might not have our theology all correct, even though we, we seek to understand God more and as well as we can. And we might... We might not be able to figure out and understand why there are delays and things haven't happened the way that they have. But and we might expect to be in one place and end up in another or to receive one thing and receive another. We might be praying for our eyes and receive a shoulder healing. Who knows what God is going to do? And God's done both. Because <laughs> it's immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God never fails us. He doesn't fail us. We don't need to fear. We just believe. We just believe. Let's put our trust in him. Let's believe in him. Let's have our faith in him.